0: Our first reading comes from Acts, the first chapter. In the first book, Theophilus, I, Luke, wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here ends the reading. The Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the 17th chapter, So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words that you gave to me I have given to them, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace and peace to you, sisters and brothers in Christ. He is risen. Yes, indeed, it is still Easter. It is the seventh and final Sunday of Easter. But at this point, we might even add on, he is ascended. So what are you looking for? See, that ascension took place 40 days after Easter. If we had a dedicated service for just that event. It would have been on Thursday, but we acknowledge it here on Sunday nonetheless. It's an important event. I mean, it joins that important list. It's right there alongside Christ's birth, ministry, death, and resurrection. Those events together are the Christ event, which together uh, are and imply the gospel, the good news for us and for the world, because it's through those events in history that Christ afforded us salvation as a free gift, not to mention many other free gifts that came out of Christ's birth, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension. Now, curiously though, the ascension is often left off the list if the list gets abbreviated. And at the same time, it has pride of place in our ecumenical creeds. Every Sunday we say together, he ascended into heaven. As a result of that tension, we know what it is that had happened, but I bet most of us could not say why it matters. What does it have to do with the gospel? Could it be that in the same way Jesus does what all those prophets and patriarchs did, but does it better? And that's enough to explain why he did this, because Enoch and Elijah also ascended. They were swooped up into heaven. Some traditions even say Moses was. So Jesus demonstrates his importance by doing that too. Not to be outdone by any of those figures? Maybe, but we can go a lot deeper than that. That's one big question for today, then. Why does the ascension matter? We're going to do it in the same fashion as we've spent this whole season. We're going to consider both Acts and the gospel reading, and we're going to find a similarity in what we saw these past few weeks. So we begin with the event itself. That right there may be the simplest and yet least helpful answer to the question, why does the ascension matter? It matters because it happened. This is what Jesus did. It's what Luke recorded, not once but twice at the end of Luke and at the beginning of Acts. And that alone is enough for us to stop and consider it we can't completely stop there i mean acts one gave us this more detailed account that we had this morning after resurrecting from the dead jesus appears on and off for 40 days and does enough of what he had done teaching miracles etc to prove to them he was who he says he is and all that he has to say is true as well he tells them then stick around in jerusalem for a bit longer which will turn out to be 10 days and wait for the next big thing that God is going to do, send the Holy spirit. So they know who Jesus is. They know what he wants them to do and why he wants them to do it. They just aren't exactly sure how long they're going to have to wait, but we know it won't be that long with all of that cleared up. He is pulled up into the heavens and disappears from their sight And at that point, we might answer the question, why, why does it matter, with some uh, historical context, though this isn't that historical because it's still true today, it was just more true back then, that people tend to think of the heavens as up there, up above us, up above the clouds. Even though the heavenly realm, the presence of God the Father, is not just simply floating up above the clouds out there somewhere, but rather it's something, what, more mystical, incomprehensible, yet God the Son meets us where we are at. And this was no more true than when Jesus walked the earth. So the crowd, the disciples, they thought of heaven as up there above the clouds. So to prove to them that he was, in fact, going to God the Father, he ascended into those clouds first, rather than simply disappearing as he had a few times already. So they're standing there, staring up. We might call it gawking, perhaps wondering if the clouds shift. Maybe they'll catch another glimpse of Jesus. Maybe they're wondering if the that Holy Spirit's going to come right now. Whatever it is they're looking for, some angels interrupt and snap them out of it by asking, what are you looking for? They all know who Jesus is. They know what he called them to do. What could they possibly be looking for? What other proof for demonstration? What sign could they want or need? Well, let's. before we answer that question... Let's jump back in time, 40 days in change, and we're once again on the night in which Jesus was betrayed in the Gospel of John. See, that Gospel records so much of that night, including this extended conversation with the disciples, and now some prayers Jesus said aloud. Like we've seen earlier this season, Jesus describes that he's coming on his way back to God the Father. His earthly ministry, fully human in the flesh, will come to an end first by dying a human fleshly death, and then after resurrection, ascending in the flesh, back to heaven. The end result is those people who belong to God the Father have been given over to God the Son, and through all this, this salvific work, this Christ event, all that he's been up to, we shall hopefully, God willing, be one. It's here we might answer the question, why does the ascension matter yet another way? It's been called the happy exchange. It's one way to explain how salvation comes about, or at least help us think about it. The divine takes on the human. That's Christ being born, bearing both natures. When he returns to God the Father, he retains his humanity. It's not like a ghost floated out of his body. This is not some spiritual transition. God the Son retained his humanity in some sense, from birth to death, resurrection, and ascension. The happy exchange, then, as Luther describes these movements that Jesus is here alluding to, leads to divinity being offered to us in exchange so that eternal life, which is to say, to know, love, and trust God, to have faith, begins now, as soon as salvation is afforded us. But put it another way, the heavenly came to us so that he might pull us up to heaven he had to ascend there to pull us toward it but that pulling doesn't wait for our deaths it doesn't wait for us to be in heaven eternal life starts now our abiding with god is here in this life too so through these and other words christ gives us the assurance of god's presence remember God can be up to all sorts of things in time and space that we aren't aware of, that we couldn't predict, and yet God has made promises about which we can be certain, and this is one of them. God is present in, with, and beside you, yesterday, today, tomorrow, every day. Christ has prepared the way for us each to be one, for us all to be one, for us to abide with God in this life and the next. So I'm struck by this apparent irony, and I hope you are too, that Christ goes out of sight to the grave, to the heavens, and that going out of our sight is an assurance of Christ's presence with us. So with that said, we've got a few answers to one of our questions. We honor the ascension because it's Jesus doing as the prophets and patriarchs had done, but better joining a long list of other things because it took place in history because it showed in a in a visible way that christ was headed to the heavens and that the movements of divinity and humanity heavenly and earthly afforded and afforded for us an entryway into the divine christ became human to offer us the heavenly in faith we are already on the way in this life so let me ask you that other question One more time, what are you looking for? If we take this event and consider it as a stand-in for something that happens in our lives, well, it's something like this. We've encountered God. We know who Christ is. We know what he's called us to do. So now what? The way we metaphorically stare into the clouds is to keep going back to where we found Christ, We go back to the same place we encountered him before, hoping to see him again, right? We can trust God to be consistent about that which God promises, and God promises to meet us in certain places, in certain ways. For example, Christ is present in the elements. This is his body. This is his blood. Christ promises to be present when we gather in his name, when we worship, when we pray, and so on. There's another few things we're going to add to that list, or at least one big one. So what are you looking for? And where do you look? Considering that, keep it in mind. Keep in mind the next time you invite someone to church. You don't even have to necessarily invite them. The next time you even talk to somebody about practicing religion, about going to church, tell them why. Why you go. All all the reasons. And I bet those reasons include the community, the tradition. It's what you've always done. It's part of who you are. It makes you feel good. You name it. But hopefully, it also includes that you are genuinely seeking God and hope to encounter Him through Christ, with the Spirit. And moreover, truly hopefully, You have, on more than one or two occasions, had that experience within yourself, undeniably so, that you encountered Christ in one of the places he promised to be present. And you want others to have that too, so that your friend can feel as you've felt, so they can see what you see. And then in worship, if we can get them there, we are like the angels for one another, We interrupt our gawking and remind each other. We know who Christ is. We know what he's called us to do. And we are sent out to go do it, whatever it is. Sometimes the next place we'll find Christ isn't where we are now, but rather it's where he has sent us to be. And that's that last place he promises to be present. Not the very last, but the last one for today. In the faces of our fellow humans particularly in the neighbor in the least of these, the one who needs us out there. God is present as God has promised to be. We will encounter Christ through what we do here in worship, and we will see him in the least of these out in our communities. What else could you be looking for? I hope you find it. I hope in your looking, in your searching, in your gawking, You find Christ here and throughout the week and then here again on Sunday. Amen.